2: Check out Qualia NAD Plus risk-free for up to 100 days at neurohacker.com slash Dave15 to save an extra 15%. That's neurohacker.com slash Dave15, Qualia NAD Plus. It's what I use. What if there was a way to level up your energy, get rid of stress, and take more control of your body? Welcome to Quantum Upgrade. This is a new technology that taps into quantum energy to help you feel amazing. If you don't know what that means, do some research because it's impressive, it's fun to learn about, and it's something that I've come to understand. Ready to try Quantum Upgrade? Visit quantumupgrade.io slash Dave for a seven-day free trial.
1: And today's cool fact of the day is that watching porn may be just as beneficial to athletic performance as watching a motivational or training video. Hundreds of rigorous scientific studies conducted over decades demonstrate that men like to watch a lot of porn. (laughs) But studies also show that there's a little bit more to it than that. Uh, Specifically, watching porn can improve your sports performance. And that's, we guess, because porn gives viewers a short-term testosterone boost. That said, there are better ways to have a short-term testosterone boost, and I'm not an advocate of porn because I think it causes dopamine resistance in your brain, which over time would be bad for you. So porn, bad, but if you have like a big fight the next day and you watch a little porn the night before and you don't get addicted to it, hey, maybe it's like good for you. Heck, I don't know. But it's an interesting thing to look at from a scientific perspective.
2: Everyone's talking about red light therapy beds and for good reason. There's a company called ARRC LED that's building an entirely new class of LED devices. ARRC LED beds integrate proprietary scanning technology and frequency protocols to shape the delivery of six different wavelengths in dose-optimized photobiomodulation. Yes, that's a lot of words. What it is, though, is that photobiomodulation improves the underlying energetics of the cells in your body. And those changes can benefit nearly every tissue and organ and system in your body. You change yourselves and you change your life. For more information, visit ARRCLED.com.
1: Today's guest first came on the show a couple of years ago. It's hard to believe it's been a couple of years. And that was actually episode number 43. And ever since, he's been kicking ass at life and he's back on Bulletproof Radio to talk about a new book that is not titled Becoming a Supple Leopard, which was the, art, the title of Kelly Starrett's first book. His new book... Coming out is Ready to Run, Unlocking Your Potential to Run Naturally. And if you haven't heard of Kelly Starr, he's a coach, a physical therapist, an author, a speaker, creator of a blog that really focuses on human movement, functional movement, and athletic performance. It's at mobilitywad.com. You'll find great videos of Kelly torturing people on YouTube, (laughs) uh, wrapping... incredibly tight rubbery things around their arms by the way kelly because of you i bought some of that stuff uh and i have made myself cry only once and uh anyway welcome to the show
3: it is so good to be back the world has changed since last we spoke my friend
1: it has and, and you've been really kicking ass uh, you know you're one of the first 50 crossfit affiliates and you're focusing those so much more than than on just CrossFit, you've got that intensity of CrossFit, but you're also looking at like orthopedic sports medicine. And that's one of the reasons I, I like your writing and I, I like your work because uh, you're you're walking that line between super high intensity and super precision movement. And functional movement for me personally has been a problem. Uh, I, I don't have good bear crawl. I don't have good cross patterning. And some of my infant movement reflexes are, are not right, maybe because of genetics or maybe because I spent a lot of time reading at 18 months instead of like crawling and you know falling off of things the way you're supposed to so I I kind of picked a a funky cool fact of the day but I want you to tell me a cool fact about you because you've already been on the show so I've already done all the basic stuff so So, what's a cool Kelly
3: Starrett fact that no one knows two things we can tie in right away one is that I totally agree about the porn the porn is destructive yes comma mobility wad is based on porn architecture. So in order to manage the 1200 videos we had, we basically were like, who's managing that much content? And really speaks to some of the, the some of the foundational concepts of what you and I do is we look around and say, this has already been solved for us. We need to repurpose this thinking or evolve this thinking into having it fit into a better life, right? Or have it be germane to what's happening in modern life. Um, so my wife, actually became an expert in porn technology and uh and porn ar- architects porn tech can you, can you say that and uh and our whole website if you go in you're gonna be like this is a, the most beautiful porn site i've ever been to but it's about you know human performance porn so that's that's number one number two um i think people forget that i used to be like a super boater i was like you know i'm really excited i just you know reread rise of the superman because Stephen is speaking at the conference at the end of the month, which is going to be fabulous. I can't wait to hear him talk. But I knew thirty out of the forty people personally that he wrote about in there, and I had a whole nother life as a professional whitewater extreme athlete and oh, wow. had more class five and had more friends die and did more sketchy stuff. I met my wife at the world championships in Chile for whitewater paddling, where like you know this was this is all I did. We know and it was so interesting to sort of take those concepts of, you know, flow and of best self and higher thinking and what do they call it, like um, temporary hypofrontality or right, that sort of concept. And it's been really interesting for us because I didn't realize how much we had spun those risk-taking creative pieces on its head. And really, it's really influenced all the things I've done. And so I, I, you know. So interesting to uh, sort of to tie those pieces in where you know people don't know that I was a boater. All I did was run class five and scary stuff and and, and terrify my parents forever and ever. And I was able to resolve all of those uh, those experiences into like more risk taking, I guess, or more creative flow. So that's it.
1: That's remarkable. And I, I got to say, going back to your porn technology kind of thing, everything that we're doing right now is based on porn. And I say this as a Silicon Valley technologist, and you go back to the very, very early use of Usenet. What was it used for more than sharing government documents? It was actually used for sharing porn. You go before that to home video, you know, those old video cameras, that was actually driven by porn. Video conferencing, like the stuff we're recording on today, oh, that was driven by porn. Web so, video was driven by porn. And, like, many of the customers that we had throughout my career in, the, in cloud computing, they were, like, secret porn customers with, like, a, a nice website that no one went to and tens of gigs of traffic of, like, dirty pictures. So, you know, I, I'm not uh, – I really do think porn is destructive.
3: Well, um, here's here's what you know, I think you're tying into and where we can tie it into is that you've got to tap into – Sort of an aspirational or deep bias to feel better, or something like this is the hook that I don't think enough people are catching on. Like, show me what's in it for me. Well, you know, there's this innate drive for men that serotonin boost, click, you know, et cetera, et cetera. It's destructive, comma. You know, the biologic truth of that is is strong and it reinforces itself, right? The idea though that you know we, uh, well, you know, we can go off and off on this, but this this point is that we're going to make change. It's got to matter to people. They've got to feel better. They've got to feel more lucid. And we really value technology that is, you know, that spans from children and it's, you shouldn't say porn and children in the same sense, but you know, it's gotta, it, you know, as we value something and say, this is good, as we take the best technology, the best concepts, and then we say, can we apply them across the spectrum of humanity? Like it's gotta, it's gotta work for my kids. It's gotta work on one-on-ones. It's gotta be work at a group of 50 people. And what we can really do is we start to then apply that concept with the, the fact that it's got to, hook the ego it's got to hook vanity and in in that we'll see real change out of that and that's that's good enough i don't i don't care sometimes what the hook is as long as the outcome is is sufficient
1: yeah there's no doubt that you can you can hook someone's ego to get them to smoke cigarettes or you know, to eat something that's allegedly healthy like raw kale
3: <laughs> <laughs> hey you're from marin too you know we only eat Kale that has is like uh, carbon neutral, so I don't know if that's you're doing that yet or.
1: Uh, you know, my my kale is actually massaged by monks, and not just any monk, one armed child prisoner monks. Like those are the very best massage you can get, and like it, it's. Uh, but it, it's it, it's really funny because you know, many bad things have happened in health, even in in things like movement and running, oh, yeah. because, advertising companies will take something that's easy to sell, they'll wrap it in a healthy wrapper and then make it, you know, somehow like wrap your ego into, oh, you're a good person if you do this practice. Like, wait, that actually causes injuries. It makes me feel like crap. Maybe it wasn't a good thing, but it's amazing how many of the things we do, even from like our skin hygiene, um, all of these weird practices. uh, And now I'm getting a little off topic, but you'll appreciate this. Do you know why women shave their legs? Uh, They're cyclists. Uh no, I mean just women. Women just shave their legs in general who don't ride bikes. And I, I've noticed that.
3: Well, I'm I'm from Northern California. I went to school Boulder, <laughs> and my wife went to Berkeley. And I'm not saying she can braid her armpit hair because that'd be weird, and I would never admit such a thing. But I I hear tell that that actually is a practice. Uh, I don't I've know why, seen- I, 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 I don't even know how, like how, literally, I don't know, is it the porn <laughs> again? Is that what it is? I no, it, it's street. it's not.
1: It's because, I believe it was Gillette, but I don't want to blame that, one of the largest shaving companies in somewhere around 1909 sat down and said, how can we sell more razors? And they okay. thought about it and they went to the Ladies Home Journal and they said, we need to write an article about hygiene and how if women shave their legs, that it increases hygiene. So then a year later, like 90% of women are shaving their legs. And to this day, 100 years later, like they're still selling twice as many razor blades. And it's, it's astounding what you can do when you hook into someone's vanity uh, or you you say something like that is healthy and then magically they start doing it even though it actually has no effect on anything except, you know, making you have to shave some more because now you have stubble.
3: I, I am not surprised at all. And, uh, you know, recently I got so pissed at my, like, buying a $20 Gillette cartridge, you know, and it was like, I'm going back to the straight razor. Bought a straight razor you know, like a safety race, straight razor, yeah. and it sucked. I tried that, too. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I mean, like, More art of man than me. Uh, uh, <laughs> I know. Sure. That's how I felt. And I literally was like, man, what the? This is terrible. And I was like, I went right back to the Gillette. I was like, okay, so maybe some technology is good. Some is, you know, but maybe we can, you know, opt in. My, my razor like
1: vibrates. It's got little lights and stuff. Oh, man, I, I'm, I'm down with that. As long as it doesn't give me irritation.
3: But what, what you tapped into, I think, is you know, what we really wanted to take on. And we're, we have, we've had our hands deep into human performance for you know better part of a decade now and really have just seen it all. We've gone, I mean, even since I've talked to you, we, we have seen more behind-the-scenes craziness than people can imagine in one head. In fact, um, without name-dropping, you know, when we did that 60 Minutes piece recently, 60 Minutes Sports, Um, a lot of our even close friends, even some of our coaches were like, I had no idea you worked with the pilots. I had no idea you were at Arsenal. Like you just, it's hard to see how many kind of pictures we see of what's going on. But one of the things that we decided to try to do is repurpose what we've gone out of, of the human performance into a lot of public health issues. Like there are some low hanging fruit pieces that it's not just about getting a faster 5K time. And yes. the first and most obvious one to us was running. It is, running seems to be healthy, right? It's natural, everyone runs. You know, the, you know, the story of the human body, read any of these books and you're like, it's the running skill is the thing that makes us human. And yeah, and running shoes is a $4 billion industry, billion, right, billion. Yep. And, you know, when you start to get down to it, 80% of runners, who run three times a week are injured within the course of a year, that's like a hundred percent injury rate. <laughs> I mean, that makes, I mean, I would be tell my daughters, no, you can't run. It's too dangerous. You no, know, what are you, what are you doing?
1: Now I'm really, really eager to understand this, this potential to run naturally thing that you're writing about. Cause becoming a supple leopard, I, I never had a problem. Actually that's not true. I used to have a big problem with being supple because I was so inflamed uh, and honestly, I ate bad stuff, but when I took enough digestive enzymes, broke up things, uh, I was able to, you know, I can put my ankles behind my head, I, I'm already a supple leopard by, by most things because of the, the yoga practice that I've done. But movement patterns for running have always escaped me. I've, I've had flat feet, I was duck-footed as a kid, I've had three knee surgeries, and I used to try and make myself run when I weighed 300 pounds gee, I wonder how that ended up with right. knee surgeries, right? Like like there's a correlation between running when you're a fat ass. And I say that affectionately because I was a fat ass and it wasn't my fault that I was a fat ass because I was doing what was supposed to work and didn't.
3: And, and let me just piggyback on that I developed knee pain the first time in high school playing football and doing how to do all this running and then it plagued me for years and then I could sprint, no problem, play frisbee, no problem, jump, do everything else, jog 400 meters, knee pain, Motion control shoes, Brooks Beasts, inserts.
1: <laughs> those Dr. are my CTO. shoes too.
3: <laughs> like every knee contraption. My friends used to be like, Ron Forrest. I had these like weird patella things. Oh, did you have those the carbon fiber NFL brace things? I had one of those. I mean, crazy Yeah, stuff. yeah. And it turned out I ran like crap and my feet were weak. No one we know is born with flat feet. Mm-hmm. The, the, you know, the, the in '91, the American Academy of Pediatrics put out a position paper that said barefoot is the ideal state in which to create a healthy foot, and like that is the environment in which we're going to see normal foot, you know, development. Coupled with the fact that. Our recommendation is to not wear shoes whenever possible. Our recommendation is to have a light, wide shoe that breathes a ton and is flexible and is only thick enough to absorb enough impact so you don't get punctured by rocks and has a similar traction to your bare feet. That's the pediatric sort of recommendation, you know, nearly, what, 20-plus years ago. How far away are we? It has gotten out of control in the, the number of injuries. And then Born to Run comes out, right? And you're like, I'm in. Like, this is primal. Yeah. I'm going to run, bare my foot, get some flat shoes, go out, and we see the injury rates spike to the place where Vibram gets, loses, what, a $2.5 million lawsuit about false advertising. We see that. Well, actually,
1: they, they didn't lose the lawsuit. They just settled it because it was cheaper oh, for, than oh, fighting those people. So just, you just so we know, oh, yeah, they, right. they, were, they were never guilty of they didn't do yeah, false right. advertising.
3: Right. So. Uh, I Totally, yeah, yeah. true fact, true fact. Uh, Chris Powers, who is a senior – sort of physio in the American APTA basically came out and said, we may think it's maybe safer to heel strike than it is to run on the ball foot. Why? Because the severity of the injuries we're seeing are fewer, which is like saying, well, you know, if you drive drunk, we see, you know, it's better than driving blindfolded. You know, (laughs) like, it's like the line of reasoning is disastrous. And what we found was that just like you are finding, people are making basic errors, adaptation errors, and they sort of end up in this place where, you know, by default, they start running poorly, their tissues are stiff, they don't have basic range of motions, and they don't have the motor control. So when we, when we start to address, you know, the issues of saying, hey, I, the motor control of, of running eludes me, well, can you jump rope? You know, yes. Well, can you jump rope with your toes sort of straight? Yes. Well, then you have the, the basic mechanics of jumping and landing, right? And so the real question is, do you have enough range of motion in your ankle to withstand that? And do you have enough hip extension so that when your leg comes behind you at the end of your gait stride, you don't have to compensate and throw your leg out and strike out in front and destroy your arches? So, you know, on and on and on. The problem is we haven't taken this. You say, hey, look, I've, I'm pretty supple because I have a movement practice. Well, you've had a movement practice for how long? Your whole life. Your whole life. So, you know, when you say I CrossFit, well, CrossFit is my movement practice. Whether you practice yoga or Pilates or CrossFit, you have to make sure that you're taking the body and asking it to do all the things it normally can do. And that means basic range of motion that we all, all the physicians, all the physical therapists agree on that are expressed as actual movements. And so it doesn't matter what your foundational movement is, but running is not a movement practice. Running is a a movement skill yoga is movement practice, right? Does that make sense, the, the differentiation there? One is exercise, one is practicing the positions and the mechanics to be able to exercise correctly. What we saw is that people didn't have the range of motion and they didn't have the motor control, and it was just a recipe, it's like a Ponzi scheme, uh, frankly, just a Ponzi scheme.
1: Well, one of the things, that, and I've done work with a lot of different schools of functional movement, just looking to, to really have no pain, <laughs> and I'm amazed at the things I can do, but my hip flexors, and, you know, if, if you're not into anatomy, these are like muscles kind of on the very front top of your of your hips, uh, like below where your belt would be. Uh, mine tend to turn off and I, I don't feel it, but I, you can tell it I'm like, wait, there's no strength there all of a sudden. So I, I've been walking around for the past year or so, like actively turning them back on consciously where I am like, oh, I guess I should flex that because it's not doing anything. And it's you know, it's changed how I stand. You know, I kind of added a little bit, uh, kind of raised my butt a little bit. I mean. At least that's what I hear. It's hard to look at that. But uh, it's a, it's astounding though, but it took a lot of work to, to feel a hip flexor turn on. And well, how, how do people who just like have stuff like that, how are you ever going to know this unless like they come and visit you in San Francisco, which I've actually sent some clients your way because I'm like, you know, if you live there, that's the place to go.
3: Well, the issue is we've gotten so far down this path where like, hey, I have to have uh, a ninja guru be able to turn me back on, right? And, and unfortunately, it doesn't work that way. That's not going to, it's not going to solve humanity's problems. And we see this issue of scale everywhere. Uh, you know, the army has one physical therapist for 5,000 soldiers, right? And like, that's not a scaled system that ever solves any real meaning. So the issue around the body is that one is it's self-corrective. It really is. If you put it in a better position, it turns on. And you have to remember that you ha- you're you wired for hip extension. You, you have the plumbing is already there. The practice patterning is about pulling the wires through the conduit that's already laid there. So, you know, some of this is, okay, I can get into a good position, my hip flexors turn on, but then I have to practice being in that position. I have to sort of, you know, get my 10,000 reps in of whatever it is that reinforces that motor pattern so that when I don't go unconscious or I default or the environment pulls me into a less favorable position, A, I have to commute, I sit at a table, right? You know, all of those things, then you know hopefully the practice can hold the pattern. But what we believe is that if you're in a good position, things work, and if you're in a bad position, things don't work. And so we, for example, don't do a lot of glute cueing around our house, right? In our gym, it's not part of, we don't do hip thrusts. What the heck is glute cueing? like 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 uh, bridges right like oh, yeah, hip okay. thrust, like glute activation you know you don't need to activate your glutes you need to be in a good position and if your hips are short your anterior hip is short then your butt doesn't turn on and then everything sort of defaults to a, like it's like taking your elbow instead of being stiff you go ahead and just hang on the elbow and overextension, right and that's what your body will do i, I like to think of it as this way you have the circuits of your body, like your knee, I like to think of them as, or your spine, as they need to be active. And what you said was, hey, I have this hip flexor, but that talking about the musculature of your hip doesn't talk about the soft tissue of your hip, the sliding surfaces fascia, it doesn't talk about the joint capsule, it doesn't talk about the fact that you need to sl- make sure your feet are straight so you can screw your feet into the ground, tadasana, right? All of mm-hmm. those things are are crucial so that the system turns on again. And we have to be thinking in terms of those systems in the first part. And then the second part is, you know, you know, are we, you know, giving people the tools where they can even get a chance to get back to that? So, you know, you have to have a movement practice. Probably 60% of what we do on mobility water is talk about how to move correctly. Right, and whatever skill or thing you're doing. And you know, it's easier to do that in a very formal environment, whatever it is, because it's easier to see what's going on. That formal environment for us happens to be the gym, but it can be in any movement practice. Pilates will pick it up right away. Yoga will pick it up right away if someone can see it. But you know, so the two things is, do we have people aware of that they're making movement errors? And because the body, if you don't put it into this you know, sort of this closed position, will stay in an open position, but seek stability some other way. So things that look stiff are stiff because you're moving like crap. The reason your calves are always tight is that your foot is always turned out and you're running this mechanical system through a collapsed arch, and part of your calf is always getting tight trying to stabilize that thing. And so if you treat something and it's chronically tight, chances are you're not really addressing the problem, you're addressing the symptoms of the problem. And that's why You know, ART hasn't cured cancer, Rolfing didn't cure cancer, physio didn't cure cancer because, and I say cancer, I'm talking about movement cancer, because we're not thinking about the other piece of this, the environment, right, sleep, stress, all of those things we're not (laughs) talking, right, that that seem to matter a full third of the equation, the movement and the movement practice, and then the tissue health. And we've just Uh always just sort of addressed one of those things at a time, but you have to be thinking in terms of the system, and this is why you and I are friends.
1: Yeah, I love that you talk about systems because systems thinking, for me, comes out of my degree in decision support systems and it's a subset of artificial intelligence. But emergent behaviors happen, and breaking the body down to pieces, for me, never worked. And I love that you talk about the joint as a system, and then you talk about the body as a system and then the interaction of the body with the environment as a system. Um, One of the reasons that I had so much Knee pain growing up. I, I honestly didn't know you were supposed to be able to walk without it hurting because I played soccer for 13 years competitively. And I'm just, oh, pain is just like what you do on totally. weekends. I, it's just supposed to hurt. And I was chronically inflamed. So you have chronic inflammation. I was eating gluten, which funny enough has a lectin that sticks to the glucosamine that lines your joints. So there you go. I'm now getting this problem. And on top of that, I had adrenal stress largely because of toxic exposure and adrenal stress affects the stability of your knee joints. We find that out actually through like acupuncture kind of stuff. So I all this stuff going on and, and the way it, it shows up for me is I guess my knees hurt all the time, but that's just kind of normal and I walk funny and I limp a lot, but you know, Hey, that's just the normal state of things. So you don't even know it. And, and I find so many people out there have these things like, Oh yeah, I, it, all, it always hurts. Like my back always hurts. I wake up my, my joints hurt. I'm like, that's not normal. And it was normal for me, and now it's not normal. And if it does happen, I can turn that back on. You know, give me oxidized oils you know, deep-fried tempura the next day. Funny enough, my knees hurt. Like, amazing. So how often do you, like, just grab someone and be like, dude, you cannot have pizza and beer every night and then work out like this and have a fully functioning system? Like, what part of your practice is, like, dude, you got to stop the really
3: bad stuff? You know, and so he, so in the book, for example –
1: the, the book being Unlocking Your Potential to Run Naturally, just so right. people remember the title here?
3: Ready to Run, right? Okay. Is, you know, people weren't given the sort of the follow-up to Born to Run. Great. I'm, I'm, in. I'm in. I love the story. I'm in, right? <clears throat> What's so good is we were able to point back at all our friends working in the nutrition, environment, lifestyle, stress component, and, and because you're an expert in it and talk about it, you know, with all with all your friends, I don't have to address it. I can yeah. just point to you.
1: So you send people to other websites and basically say you should be on like the bulletproof diet or whatever. You know, it's, there are lots of lots are you, of lower inflammation are you, options,
3: right? Are you resisting inflammation, right? Mm-hmm. Eating like a human being should, and that's really. You know, we started working with this great company called GeneSolve recently. I'm not trying to plug them. But other than saying they're doing genetic testing and blood testing and a subjective history. And when we cut you in half and count the rings, you know, how do we measure environment? Because it's not you eat bacon every single day and you're paleo. Like that's a recipe for disaster. It is. You have to know what's going on. And we can make some general statements, lean proteins, high-quality fats, as many vegetables as you can choke down, right? I don't eat almonds because it turned out that was a disaster for me. I don't, yeah, me too. I don't process omega-3s because of my genetics. I have to eat a little bit more omega-3 than everyone else, some things like that. But you know, our, the point is that we can correct so many of these things, but we're going to eventually have a conversation about all of them. If you are at the top of your sport, I can have your tissues, be as healthy as they can be given your environmental demands, right? And your environmental loads. I get your mechanics correct. And the problem is with humans is that we're so miraculous at buffering what I say is the like smoking chocolate donut diet, right? I know world (laughs) champions who can smoke and eat chocolate donuts and they're best in the world it doesn't mean they're the best they can be. They're just the best in the world. Yeah. And we confuse that ability. You can, you're can, you like the flux capacitor that comes back and you can digest garbage and go out into the world. That's not optimal. That's functional. And when people say functional, I'm like, you know what functional means in physical therapy? You can get off the toilet. You can wipe your own butt and do your bra. Congratulations, you're functional. That's far away from thriving or being pain-free. That's getting about the business, you know, we are going to have to talk about all of these aspects and they have to be addressed and you know i was just out talking to the um wwe right all the wrestlers those guys have gotten religion and have gotten very serious triple h and their training table is the best buffet training table i have ever seen in any place gluten-free fat, beautiful, rich, high quality meats, game, like, I'm like, oh, oh, you guys get it. They're spending more time on, and all I lectured on was sleep, hydration, compression. Like, can you manage these aspects? Because these are the things that are killing you in spite of your best practices over here, you know?
1: I cannot wait till later this year. I've got a hack for hydration that is out of this world. So I'm going to specifically send you some when it comes out. It it was so strong I had to stop doing it because I was getting dizzy. I was hydrating so fast without sticking a needle in my arm.
3: Wow. Well, you know, (laughs) the research says that sticking your needle in an arm is the lot not the most efficient way to hydrate isn't that funny
1: i have i've never seen research like that but i, I believe it i know a lot of the special forces guys I've, I've worked with you know like oh we drank all night long we rehydrated the next morning and then you know, we ran 25 miles and you know blew up uh, some some targets and you're what? like holy crap you guys are tougher than me <laughs>
3: Well, they certainly buffer maybe more than you could, right? There you go. And, uh, you know, and I, I think this is what's interesting. You know, I work a lot at the military, and ambient is like the dirtiest secret in yeah. sports and in the military. And what we're seeing is, boy, you can't be a vampire operator or a vampire soldier and then not pay that piece of your physiology. I mean, you and I were just saying before we started, you can't cheat your physiology. You can for a short time. Absolutely. You don't need to sleep the night before a world championship, you don't you will still kick butt, but a week of no sleep, you know, go ahead and uh, adopt a baby, have a child. Let me know, (laughs) let me know how your performance goes. You know, something is going to give. And I think, I think what it's really happening now is we're getting sophisticated enough that people can start to pull and push. Boy, you know, my wife and I have really, you know, Juliet is a two-time world champion, legit athlete, rower cow. And, um, you know, she's my training partner, and we listen. Like, desire to train today? She's like, no, I don't feel it. I'm like, neither do I. We don't train. And literally that, when the frying pan is hot, we cook. And when we've really started to pay attention to how we train, Ben Greenfield does the same thing. You know, you listen, you're like, wow, I don't think I need to stress my system anymore, and I don't need to measure that to be able to, to feel that. You know, I need to be aware. And it's very simple.
1: It, it's amazing what listening uh, to your body will do. And for me, I, I, I was – Unintentionally, at least I grew up to not listen to my body. Like, oh, it's it's just you know it's just pain. It's just weakness. Uh, whatever it is, it's lack of motivation. I'll just do it anyway, and that leads to injury. Like when when it's not time to do something, and your body's telling you no. Like seriously, I, I mean it. Like don't do that, and then you do it anyway. You know you don't have the stability, and you don't have the energy that you need, and, and bad stuff can happen. So for me, it was a conscious decision to learn how to listen to the signals from the body, but also to not over-listen to them when it's time to push yourself, you know, to, to add that's an right. extra plate or whatever. And that nuance, where do we learn that as kids? In fact, that, that's a real question. Like, people start running when they're kids. Why don't those kids learn optimal running or even just how to push themselves or not push themselves
3: in something as simple as a PE class? Well, how about this? PE isn't about exercise. PE should be about physical capacity, right? Can you do perform body skills, right? And there should be a strength component to that eventually. That's appropriate, but you know we started becoming interested in in the sedentary lifestyle, right? And something we're just railing against. So you and I are both standing right now. Yeah. And and the reason I really took like it was not my life's dream as as a child to lecture adult men about posture. Like that was not what I wanted to do. And <laughs> believe it or not, but when I started getting to the bottom of a lot of the root problems and pathologies i was seeing in these athletes it was because they were sitting so much and i had one division one uh football team track the sitting and they were sitting 14 to 16 hours a day so that's a lot of closed hip time and then they were standing up having knee pain low back pain you know all the hip pathology couldn't have loss of explosion and i was like well here's an idea if eating donuts makes your joint stiff don't eat donuts you know, and if sitting 16 hours a day is causing this problem, how do we mitigate those things? So, in the long of the lines of the of going backwards, we started. I started looking at my children, and I was like, "Well, if sitting makes me feel crappy." I look at my kids, and I'm like, "They're stuck in chairs that don't fit them at school. It desks that one size fits all." And so, finally, this year we got we got approval. My daughter's fourth grade classroom is a stand up classroom. It's the first room, and we think first classroom in California. It's a public school. We threw down for the desk. We said, hey, we think this – here's what all the research says, right? Here's the, every study that we can find because that's our next project. Wow. And, and the, they went for it. And uh, the holy, kids, holy crap, Kelly. Kelly I, okay, I, I'm, I'm going to talk to my kids' school about that too. Um, what age are your kids? Six and nine. George okay. is in the fourth grade. But what they've seen is all the kids love it. And here's the crucial part. There's a bar at the bottom of the desk that pivots. And they put their foot on it and they start fidgeting. And they oh, can wow. fidget all day long and no one can see the fidgeting. And they change position. And if you've ever gone drinking at a bar, the Captain Morgan pose exists for a reason. By pulling one foot up, you basically take the extension load out of the back, and you can maintain this upright posture. So kids are moving; they've got some some stools that wobble, so they we've created a movement-rich environment. Kids don't stand more than 15, 14 minutes or 15 minutes in a chunk anyway, but kids all love it. And as we see the technology flood into schools, what we've seen is know this is a problem kids are on desks every laptop how are we going to adjust that well we're always looking for what we call blocked positions my friend carl powley gymnast extraordinaire freestyle movements he's always looking for ways to trick you into being safe without knowing it so for example when guys jump out of the airplane right in the military how do they teach them to land feet together that foot together position prevents you from having your knees cave in and tearing your ACL. It's a blocked position. Boom. Well, the same thing, we teach kids that same position, to jump and land with their feet together, and that automatically protects their knees and ankles. They can't collapse. They can't end up. And so how do you jump and land? Feet together. Boom. Solve the problem. As they get stronger and motor control develops, we move them out. Well, if I put a little kid on a desk where they're sitting up, guess what they don't do? They don't slouch. They don't round. And the technology no longer is the problem because we've solved the environment. And we got interested in this because we were like, well, if it's bad for me, what the hell is going on with the rest of the kids? No brain study, supports sitting. It's a disaster. We also got interested because we were looking at kindergartners. All kindergartners run beautifully. They run on the ball of their foot the same way you would run if you were barefoot. You would run correct. You would self-correct if you ran barefoot on concrete within... 10 feet you would start running correctly shorten your stride you would stop over striding you would shorten your stride your stride frequency would come up you'd run correctly and what we saw was that in my my oldest daughter in the first grade halfway through the first grade half the cohort half the school or half her class started heel striking and i was like what happened did the kids go home for christmas and ask for some heel strike and motion control shoes and this is what all the cool kids are wearing Well, I think it was the combination of wearing high heel shoes and this environmental sitting load, you know, and all of a sudden we saw this change in motor pattern occur because the tissues forced it. And I think that's what we've got to be thinking about is that are you cultivating or making a better decision right now about everything?
1: So, so Kelly (laughs) – Bulletproof Radio is pushing about 8 million downloads were regularly number one in the health category on iTunes. And a lot of parents are going to hear this. Is there a name for this desk? Because I suspect a few school districts are going to get some queries after they hear it's this. That's
3: great. Well, you know, we, we did, we started a, a placeholder page called Stand Up Kids. That's And it's our nonprofit. We're going to put up interviews and tell people how we did it. We have two things we sort of feel strongly about. One is that we don't have any vested interest in the desk. Maybe I should invent a child's child's desk. and It'll be MWAD approved. We'll get there. But in the meantime, we have a desk. that We're happy to give anyone information. If you went to standupkids.org right now, you'd have our information, and we're happy to email you back about what we're doing. But what we've seen is, you know, if we give people better information, they'll do it. All the information that will be there about the desk we found, if you can find a better desk, let us know. We'll let everyone know about it. And the second piece is we also recognize that schools, because what we did is we just came in and bought 25 desks, and the teacher was, we were like, we'll put our money where our mouth is. Yeah. We're so strongly about this. We've got donors' shoes sort of lined up to try to come in and be part of this. Because if we're really serious about putting off all this pathology, you know, my kids are both gluten free and they've selected it on their own. Georgia eats pasta, she gets sick. Caroline, my youngest, started to go to birthday parties and she'd only eat the frosting. She's like, yeah, I don't really like the cake, you know, because it made her sick. Yep. And so if, if that's the case, if I can teach my six-year-old and how not to gorge on gluten, then you know, that's where we're going to see the significant changes. The other thing we see around the school is this, we're going to try to have a design platform where our design contest where people can come up with hacks for existing school architecture. Can we group two desks together and put a block on top of it, you know, and so because what we're seeing is we, we need lots of solutions so that local communities can make the best decision for themselves, starting with brand new hardware is not always the best option. So how can how can we improve it and co-opt the system? The teachers love it. I mean, my my the teacher walked in and hugged me. She's like, I'm like, how's it going? She's like, bam, bear hug. I was like, <laughs> Awkward. You know, like, is this OK? You're touching my pelvis to your pelvis, you know, and uh, and she's like, this is amazing. It's amazing. You know, and which gets us back to all the things you're talking about. Yeah. Monkey brain. ADD, you know, if, if everyone on, who's listening to this has not read The Sports Gene by David Epstein, you've got no. to read it. There is this large genetic drive and genetic component to the desire to move. And he talks about a study in there where they they have mice, that one mice runs one mile a day and one mice runs three miles a day. They breed the three-mile mice and pretty soon they have rice that runs seven miles a day. They give them a little, oh, Ritalin, and suddenly that mouse runs one mile a day. And his inference is, wow, maybe we're suppressing our kids' desire to move. I am a physical therapist. I've had training and worked in pediatrics. Kids with real ADD diagnoses and ADD, ADHD diagnoses, you can tell those kids right away. Yeah. But we, we have had a couple squirmy families with boys who have been brought in. This is our only end of like four or five, mind you. But they brought in and they're, they're saying, hey, we think your kid's spectrum you know ADHD. Let's talk about drugs and, and what we and our parents are freaked out. Our friends and we're like, get him a standing desk, put it in the corner. Behavior solves and modulates already because the kid can wow. move and doesn't squirm in the chair. And I don't ever have to talk to him about this crappy back position. And whew, we cured cancer.
1: Well, I, I can tell you, I, I'm going to go talk with uh, with my kid's school. My kids are are five and seven. Um, they're in a, a Waldorf program where they have to spend two hours a day outside. It doesn't matter if it's raining or snowing. Like, they have clothes for that. And, you know, they, they go out there and, and you know, the first thing they'll do is, oh, a tree. Like, that's an opportunity to defy gravity and, you know, fall as hard as I can. And you can see that, that just in the musculature of a five-year-old where, like, I didn't know five-year-olds could be ripped. But when they, they do that, it happens, at least if they're not eating crap all the time. Um, but this uh, fidgetiness is is really cool. I I had no clue we were going to talk about that uh, because I want to talk about running with you because there's a lot of people who are doing marathons, especially people who are like, oh, I got diagnosed with some sort of chronic illness. I think I'll do what killed the first guy who did it. (laughs) And and, uh, it's a remarkable feat of human logic. Uh, So I want to talk about that. This school stuff is profound.
3: Well, I'm an ultramarathoner, so I've done it. I I ran (laughs) mountain 50K. I totally get it. But um, what we were seeing was like, how do we just prevent, like, why are women still tearing ACLs at nearly four or five times rate of men? Well, some of it is we're seeing that this pattern develops and the research is saying, at least in kids don't have core strength and core tone. To be able to manage neutral spine, we're actually physically weaker than we were 20 years ago. Remember, the phys- president's physical fitness test doesn't exist anymore. Wow. Right? Even teaching to that low baseline of being able to change direction, do a pull-up, do some push, you know, that sort of thing doesn't exist anymore. And if we're going to get to the bottom, we're going to see have to address the environmental load, and that's what this book is really about. Is trying to give people coming back to here's a baseline movement standard we know that it's going to be a moving target, but let's give you a place to go and say, hey, look, you may not be there now, but we can get you there, and you can always see how far you're in. And as you want to run, because running is fantastic. Once you can run, it's fantastic. We run hills. We change. We run shuttle runs. We mm-hmm. probably run three times a week, and one of those days are 400s or 800s. These are sprints. Like, yeah, sprints, right? We're, and I don't run more than that. I'll, I'll do sometimes. I do three one mile repeats, like once once a month, something like that. But I do a lot of 400s, a lot of 800s, a lot of sprinting.
1: and our, our driveway is almost
3: exactly 400 meters, which is kind of convenient. <laughs> And sort of horrifying at the same time. I don't know why you'd want to do that. (laughs) Run to the uh, mailbox. Run back. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Touch the mailbox, vomit, and turn (laughs) around. So what's happened is we, in the book, has really tried to get, you know, why are people so congested around the ankles? Well, it turns out when you sit... One of the myriad of physiologic issues is that your musculature and your leg shuts down. Not only does that automatically compromise your immune system and healing of the lower extremity, but you don't pump the lymphatic system, which clears the congestion, which is a mechanical pumping system. So if you've ever flown and gotten cankles or sat and gotten cankles, what your body is telling you is, I can't clear the congestion out of the fluids, this interstitial fluid, and it's congesting, and that congestion stays around there. Now we have stiff tissues. And so even if I'm eating right, I've made this error where I'm sprinting at work. I go home, I go to work, I go run, I go right back to my office. And what we're seeing is, boy, we, if you get a standing desk, if you wear some compression socks after you train, if you're watching your hydration. In the book, we, we, have, we pull out Stacy Sims, who is an uh, inventor of Osmo, some of the best thinking about nutri- uh, hydration on the planet right now. And we've got her you know she's like there's this thing called salt take a pinch of salt <laughs> put it in your water and absorb the water you're drinking quit blowing out like everyone's drinking all this you know a gallon of water a day I'm like a gallon of water a day you're an idiot how much time are you peeing?
1: Right, so I, I I gotta I gotta share my my biohacker aspect on urine and see what you think about
3: this. Did you say urine or urine?
1: Uh, on urine <laughs> uh, now if you're thirsty And you drink it's remarkable what happens but if you force yourself to drink more water than you want you'll get that super light clear pee which isn't a sign that you're a good person No. if you get light clear pee there's two causes for it number one is you ate something that was bad for your kidneys and bladder so your body intentionally pulled plasma out it said i must dilute this and right. then excrete it so I don't get cancer or some other even worse thing that's more like short term.
3: Oh, your body's not that sophisticated. What are you talking about? Oh, come on. So you're like, well, I, I, I had to pee and there wasn't that much pee and it was
1: light yellow. It's like, yeah, your body was diluting some crap you ate or something maybe you breathed even. Or you drank too much water. But here's the thing. Pee is yellow. Holy crap. Anyway, that, that's my a healthy pee is yellow.
3: A hundred percent right. If it's, you know, if it's yellow, let it mellow. Like no one said if it's clear... Don't flush. I mean, it doesn't even rhyme. I mean, and and you're what you're seeing is that people are drinking massive amounts of water, bolusing their kidneys, and actually yeah. flushing the salts out of their systems. Terrible so, for you. Uh, we have so many athletes who come in, and we've seen this era when people are eating cleaner in their diets now. What cleaner also means is they stop eating any salts
1: Destructive. You have to have salt.
3: Like, look, regular old sodium chloride works, but. You need, is that Himalayan sea salt? It's
1: Himalayan sea salt. I keep it on my desk because, you know, I put it in my water or I get water with minerals naturally, like, you know, mineral water. It's like, if you don't do that, it's like so simple.
3: And it makes a huge difference. If yeah. you have to pee all the time, it's actually an error. If you find yourself thirsty or peeing all the time, you're actually drinking too much water. In fact, I was, so I was talking to the WWE about this and I was like, well, how much water do you drink, ma'am? She's one of the divas and she's like, gone and a half a day. And I'm Jeez. like, how much do you weigh, you know? And she weighs like 120. And what was happening, I was like, you're, you're drinking enough water for like a 350 pound guy in the middle of the NFL. And everyone started laughing because this woman peed herself on an episode of the Divas. And it was, she had lost her bladder control because she was super hydrating to be, you know, healthy and it's not healthy. Animals drink when they eat. You'll see an animal eat and then drink right away. Or they'll, like, you've got to be thinking minerals in there. And you can actually, we think you're an adult woman, try to get two liters a day. That's pretty reasonable. Adult male, three liters. So, and, like, so that's great. not crazy. And that's if you're exercising, because we all the other fluids that you're counting, I mean, your apple you eat, you know, if you eat fruit, takes uh, takes all of its water. But what we're seeing is you can way pull, pull back, but you've got to treat the hydration <laughs> accordingly.
1: I love that we're talking about this, uh, even though we're focusing on the system of the body, even as, it's, as it applies to running. And I have to mention, if you're hearing background noises, that's because we're recording this live in a CrossFit gym, San Francisco CrossFit. So you're hearing basically guys grunting and dropping heavy oh, no, things.
3: No. Oh, no, those are girls.
1: Oh, those are girls? Even that's better. A, why why are we not have live video?
3: Oh, wait. <laughs> we can do that. We got Diane Fu over here and Chris Newman. They're uh, Oh, nice. They're, they're super legit. But the reason we're, we had to spend time talking about hydration is that You know, your tendons and ligaments are comprised of uh, of merely of of water. Mm -hmm. And what ends up happening is when they become a little mushy or dehydrated, they're a little bit more friable. You know, the way your tissues work is, especially tissues that are are elastic or absorb a lot of force, is they have this viscoelastic property. That means the force, the higher the force you put on them, the stiffer they get. And, And that comes from collagen, right? Weird. Funny, it's, what's on top of my fridge? Upgraded collagen. collagen. I, I take that collagen.
1: stuff every day because, like, you you can't hydrate tissues properly without it.
3: So what we're seeing is, you know, we have to get that water into the tendons. The sustamine. There's some other ways you can hack that, right? But you know, what really works is being hydrated all the time. Your body will take care of it. You can super, you know, push these things. But what we're seeing is that those tissues become a little bit friable, a little bit mushy, and they don't withstand the deformation. 400. 20 steps, 460 steps, and a 400 meter run. So that's four, 200, three times body weight impacts on your Achilles. And if your Achilles is congested and dehydrated, imagine what happens to the, the health of that tendon. And now we have a mechanism for a lot of the downstream problems. The articular cartilage is composed mainly of water. So when you take glucosamine, right, that's a glucosaminoglycan, I think is the right thing. It's a salt that goes into the articular cartilage this is the proposed mechanism of glucosamine yeah. that pulls water into the cartilage and makes the cartilage more robust. <laughs> Duh! You know what works really well? Drinking water. We see all the athletes that come in who are really bad arthritis all do better when we get them off the crappy food and get them on a regular regimen of, of hydrating. And you know, forget just the VO2 output. I mean, if you're a little bit dehydrated, your VO2 goes, your thermal regulation goes, post-exercise nutrition or uh, protein synthesis can't even happen because you're in a hydrated state. Like, it's so cheap to have some salt on your desk and drink some water. Like, solve the problem today.
1: It's uh, it's remarkable. And, and this idea that I'm a good person, if I go for long jogs and I restrict my sodium, like, man, you want to break yourself. That's a total recipe for it. And, and so I, I'm amazed that we're talking about, like, sodium and peeing, even though we're really talking about ready to run but if you're lacking in sodium or you're not hydrated are you ready to run
3: no and that's that's what we did in the book, yeah. the, book not, the book is not about running technique it's about all of the errors and tissue and range of motion and some lifestyle pieces like wearing flip-flops some simple things that you can do we we, we advocate for what we call barefoot saturday barefoot sunday we're just you need to spend the entire day barefoot. Recently, my wife and I were our daughter was at a junior raft guide camp. We're trying to get her into uh, being a boater, and we spent five days barefoot. I, mean, I exercised barefoot. I didn't put shoes on for five straight days. Tell me, unless you live in Hawaii, the last time you went five straight days, it's you may be different, but most people do not go that long. And everything felt better. My my, I started shortening my stride when I walked. My feet were tough. I I ran on rocks. I mean. It's amazing. Forget the grounding negative ion. Like, who cares? You are designed to be barefoot. This is one of the things that we think can get your feet ready to be able to go run. I want you to run. There's
1: something else I wanted to to ask you about because you're one of those guys who might who might know the answer to this. Uh, and if you don't, just tell me to go pound sand. There's actually some of the highest nerve density in the body on the soles of your feet, and my entire life I've I've been a tenderfoot. Like it, it really hurt. And I'd make myself be better because I knew it was good. And I'd be like, God, like I'm walking on the gravel in the front driveway and, and it was like so I, I finally solved the problem and I sat with my feet on my sleep induction mat, which has like like hundreds and hundreds of spikes on it, uh, that are is designed for acupuncture, acupressure stimulation. You lay on it and it makes you knock out. And if I did that for about a week and I started standing on this thing, which is unimaginable, I could walk outside. And I'm not as rough-footed as my kids who will, like, run over like cactus. They just don't seem to care. Their feet are impervious. But uh, for the first time in my life, I'm able to just, like, walk around outside and not really care too much about the terrain. For me, at least, there was a a neurological adaptation. Like, I felt like I was getting so much more sensory information that my brain was changing because I was barefoot. Not because I changed my movement pattern, but just because, like, a part of me that had been numb wasn't numb anymore. Do you have science about that, like changes in the brain because you're barefoot? Well,
3: I, I, I suspect that, you know, when you look at the sensor, app, you know, it's user lose it. And your body mm. may, when it doesn't get any information, it spends a lot of time hunting for the vacuum. And you're certainly giving it lots of input. You're basically smothering it all the time in a, in a cushy shoe. And then you would expose it to this thing, and, you know, it, the, the sensitivity was probably a little off. And in, around pain, they call it cortical smudging. Your brain doesn't know what happens. You know, I suspect also that, you know, you just, you know, you start to downregulate. I mean, like any weight-bearing surface, if you don't use it, it's, you know, it's sensitive. You know, the first time you do a pull-up, your hands are killing yeah. uh, pretty soon. proof doesn't take much to, to, to downregulate that i it's interesting that the chinese have been walking on pebbled surfaces and yet we've been making shoes for as long as people have been around like a little moccasin existed for a reason you know it still makes a difference I, you know i was walking uh, i was in nepal when i was 20 and uh i was working there and i did a long trek and there, i saw people carrying like 80 kilo loads <laughs> it's shocking barefoot <laughs> up in the mountains and the the, you know your toes we were just i was just in africa for three weeks with my family and um i looked at all the maasai feet and all the kids who run around barefoot and all the maasai who are barefoot their toes don't touch your toes shouldn't touch and if you look down and your toes are touching it really says a lot about how mangled your feet are and how long they've been mangled and normal feet there's some beautiful maasai feet you know they're they're spread out and i think what we've seen is a whole generation of kids who we haven't ever experienced that outdoors it's it is painful spend some time barefoot and your feet starting to strengthen and probably down a little bit i mean that's the only thing i can come up with
1: uh it makes it makes good sense to me i i've certainly played around with those those yoga toe things i actually force myself to like sleep with spacers mm. in my toes to spread them out. And, and then I developed the muscles after that. But it took a good year of yoga before I could consciously spread my toes because I didn't have the muscles. Cool. And it's kind of cool to be able to do that. I, I don't know but, that it's that useful, but it's
3: but cool. It's very useful to be able to grip the ground and see where you're going. And and, and, and you know, imagine if you had your hands and you couldn't really use your fingers. You know, that's that's yeah. the equivalent of it.
1: It's like having yeah. flippers,
3: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which a lot some people I know do. But, you know, I, I think um, – You know, we did an episode on mobility, but you can actually take your own hand and wrap it through your own toes and you can Mm -hmm. spread it out and then you can twist and you should not feel any fascial pain. If you grab your fingers, you should be able to get like a 90 degrees between your toes basically.
1: Right. To twist like like
3: that. I should be able to spread the, between the webbing. I should be able to get a 90 degrees between every one of my toes. All
1: right. I got to try this now. I don't think I can get my toes up to the camera.
3: In both directions. So I should be able to go forward and back. And 90? Side. Between the big toe and the next toe? That sounds yep.
1: highly suspicious. So
3: if you grab the big toe and the next toe, you should be able to get 90 degrees between the two of them. And all what right. you're seeing is your feet are, the fascia of your feet are stiff. And like you said, was that it took you a while to remodel your fascia. We know it takes about seven months to turn over all your fascia. All
1: right. Let's see if I can do this.
3: Yeah, you can do I'm,
1: it. I'm Absolutely. aiming at my feet, which, well, I've been barefoot for a while. So let's see what's going on here. Can... There we go. You got my microphone. You can sort of see my toes.
3: There it
1: All is. Right. Let me move up the mic. There we go. All right.
3: 90. So pull apart. You should be able to get 90. Ah. Uh, what just be like, should... crack? And it shouldn't hurt. And then you should well, go... it sort of go... kind of hurts. it. It actually caused weird
1: pain on the outside, like, between my shin and my calf on the outer back left side. Interesting. It could be also that I'm standing with, you know, my, with my leg bent at a 90 degree angle above my hip, but.
3: What I'm Quite telling you is, is that one of the things that we're we're trying to show people, and that's in the book, is you know you can do that while you're watching TV. You can do that, you know, while you're sitting around in lotus pose. Walk your hands in, walk your feet in, and start recovering some of these tissues. Because basically, you know, we're saying, oh yeah, it's all about the hips and it's all about the shoe, and like we're not we're not making the basic basic assumption. You know, the arch is a non-weight bearing surface. Period. How many bridges have you seen that have a support right in the middle of the arch? Uh It's not, it's an arch. And so when you buttress that thing, your feet get weak and it's gonna take a year. It takes about three or four years for a child's arches to develop. Well, how long have yours been asleep? We have been able to reclaim 100% of the arches that have come in flat. No one has flat feet. After they cultivate the standing awareness position, they get their feet turned back on and we reinforce and strengthen the feet. You gotta do it. You gotta have strong feet.
1: I'm still I, working on getting my arches back, but they're they're stronger than they've ever been, but I wouldn't say I'm done.
3: You can do a test. Want we'll to see how strong your feet are? Yeah. So imagine you're jump roping, but you're just going to jump rope on one foot. So take the other foot, put it out, squeeze your butt. Yeah. Pretend like you're going to jump rope on one foot 30 times.
1: Okay. I, I'm not going to do it right now because well, I'm wired up to a microphone. But
3: you get the idea. Okay. Yeah. So that's, that's one of those ways where we can build that in. Well, hey, before you go running, pick up your jump rope, let's strengthen your feet, Let's make sure that you can, you know, hit some of these basic standards. And so then when you go out and run, then it's just your crappy technique that's injuring you, not us.
1: That is awesome. It's also right at the end of the podcast, which means there's two final questions. Oh, uh, here we go. All right. The, the answer, one is yes, these are my real caps. I know you are going to ask me. Yes. You know, I, I was sure you had calf implants. I was so <laughs> sure. The normal question is, you know, what are the, the three most important things uh, that recommendation you have for people who want to perform better, but you already answered that in episode forty-three. So I want to know something else. Your top three other pieces of advice. Uh, so either the next three, or, or give, give me something new. And if you don't remember what you said before, that's okay. But I mean, we're all going to say sleep and stress and things like that. But but let's talk about running. Actually, I've done this before.
3: Well, I thought one is invest in a pair of compression socks. If and you fly yeah. on an airplane. If you're forced to sit in a conference, you know, you're going to be compromised by our our modern society. Hack the system. And those compression socks were 20 bucks. Do
1: you you believe in compression socks when you're in conference rooms or just when you're flying? Like, do you wear them all the time? I think you should wear them all the time. Interesting. So what's the best brand then? Because Bree Schaaf came on and, and told me about this brand whose name I forgot. They look like a superhero when I wear them, but I wear them when I fly. Like they're professional grade recovery compression socks and they absolutely kick ass. Do you know the ones I'm talking
3: about? Yeah, well there's a lot of good companies out okay. there. Two times you is great, body science compression. I, I think you can go into almost any store now, body craft, and you're gonna find co- good compression socks. So take a look, try a couple pairs. You'll, they're hard to get on. You know, The real issue is, you know, if you're moving around and sitting in a 15 minute meeting, don't worry about it. That's not what we're talking about. But understand that being sedentary causes problems in your ankles. And we look at the ankle and the foot as like a hidden repository of capacity. If you have good ankle range of motion, you can make up for it with that, make up for bad hip range of motion. You can do a whole bunch of stuff because your ankles are flexible. So Uh treat your dogs appropriately. So that would be one. And you know, sleeping in it, easy. If you just blew yourself out running or training hard, whatever you're doing, sleep in some compression socks. I think all the time, you know, we don't want you to be looking at those like a crack, but, Understand it's a fantastic tool, and it's cheap, and it makes a huge difference. Number two, no phones in the bedroom. No technology in the bedroom. Your light needs to be red, your alarm clock, and upside down. Hey, Orange cat I see you. Oh, there we We got, we, got we, the uh, same
1: cell phone case. We're dorks.
3: Oh, okay, so dorky. What do so, they call
1: that when, when girls are wearing the same outfit, like twinsies? They go,
3: like, twinsies. We call, right. we call. The issue is any of that light messes you up. If you travel. Yeah. And a lot of us have to travel for work. Control your environment. You got to sleep in a cold room. You have this cool pad sleeping mattress thing on your website. Chili pad, love that. I just talked my wife into getting one. I'm getting one for myself. She wants to be ninety. It's so cool. Make sure the room is cold, dark, earplugs, eye mask, no phone. And now we can start talking. Right. Sleep hygiene is huge.
1: There's one more thing I got to just recommend. Since you're on it, and I agree with everything you said, black electrical tape, wrap it around a pencil. And when you're in a hotel room with those stupid, uh, like flashing green uh, security alarms or uh, oh, fire oh, alarms, yeah. just take the tape and stick it over it and just leave it there for the next guy anyway. It's, it's like we can slowly black out hotel rooms across oh, America.
3: Oh. I love that. I always right. like, I literally take shirts, <laughs> <I'm always laughs> high, but, but the black, the blackness, that's so great. I would say the last thing is that I'm not seeing people warm up and cool down. Yeah. And so, you know, people are basically going like, you know, you, you know, you kind of kick your leg a little bit and then you go run. You're designed to be able to sprint away from danger. You should be able to lift up 400 pounds cold. It's not the best way to move. So if you just give yourself a chance, sometimes we, I was just doing an article uh, today with uh, stand standup paddler magazine, I'm a big paddler still and. I was like, we had a rule, we said no, no hard strokes for 10 minutes. So if you did running drills or jumped rope or got yourself prepped and really started walking faster and faster and faster and faster, if you just made that five or six or seven minutes of warm-up, you would see that your performance would be better. You wouldn't have as strong a second wind effect where people get their second wind. Second wind is what I call first warmup. You're actually fine. It takes a while to shift the blood from your stomach to the rest of your body. It just takes a little while. It takes a while for your, for your veins to start to dump that blood back into the rest of the system. Physiologically, it takes about five minutes. So quit running the engine when it's not warm. You never race a car. Two, cool down. I cannot, you know, we say leave the gym cold, be cold. You know, you, you're, you've gotta rev the engine down. So I'm not saying if you're doing a big run, you need to spend 30 minutes warming up and 30 minutes cooling down. But that would be ideal. But building in some cool down, the last piece around yeah. the cool down uh, piece.
1: I just is, want to say, this is chapter 11 in your book. You've got all this there, right? Oh, yeah. So if you if, if this is something that's important to you, check out Ready to Run so you can just learn all this. Chapter 11. It's a good October,
3: chapter. October 21st. It's coming up. One thing is that I feel like people are having a hard time downregulating. We've done so much about upregulating and we're not doing a very good job of downregulating i just talked to someone who basically turns their they put their lights on to red lights they start to cue the family yeah.
1: at, at it, our whole house has red lights i was going to show you but our bathrooms have red lights in the showers it totally rocks it's amazing yeah okay it,
3: it, it works yeah. And, and giving cues, don't watch TV and then decide to go to bed, right? That's a disaster. You're like wired. You get the serotonin boost from the same serotonin boost from porn, Ting. right? The, the phone in there, If it dings. If I open this up, I don't get any messages. I don't get any yeah. tweets and does no alerts. I ha, it's a dead end. And one of the things that we're, we're seeing is, um, you know, these kind of errors make a gigantic difference. You can't downregulate. If you roll around on a ball, on a beach ball, on something like a kickball around your guts, if you need to turn off this somatovisceral massage, kicks on your parasympathetic nervous system and literally puts you out. And if you ever had a massage? Of course, how did you feel after the massage? Like you wanted to fight or like you wanted to be blissed out, right? So if we can get people to do five or 10 minutes of soft tissue rolling, especially around their guts, it triggers your body that now it's time to sleep and downregulate. That's the like take home. That's, I mean, that's a revolution right there. So,
1: so Kelly, I'm going to send you a couple of things if you don't already have them. One of them is the sleep induction mat for specifically inducing the parasympathetic response. It's On. a different, different one this. I'll, I'll just send you one. The other one is GABA wave, which, which is a liposomal form of phenol GABA or phenobute. And you take it in the morning and it, and it helps you relax all day long. But then when nighttime comes, bam, you're down and out because like just anxiety is lower. So I've seen profound shifts in in people's ability to get into deep sleep, even when they take that in the morning. So you focus plus sleep. So I, I think when you talk about that that hard transition, um, I've found that that in my own life, I've trained my nervous system where I can turn on that relaxation response with heart rate variability yeah, training that's right. and all. That's right. But when you get to to people who still have that that basic thing going on, the ability to get the GABA in and keep it in, uh, it's, it's pretty amazing. So I'll, I'll send you those and just give it a try.
3: I love it. Well, you know, I this GeneSolve, this company we work with, makes custom nutraceuticals. And one, I have the stress and it's fenibut and V vitamins. How is it? And, and at <laughs> night, I get 5-HTP and phosphatidylserine because what we're looking at is how I do not live a normal life. I mm-hmm. live a life of an adult working professional with two kids. Oh, it's the same life of everyone else who's listening. I'm not special. I have the same crazy life everyone else does. What are the places we can push on? We've got to balance out the plate and grow the pedestal. And that's what we're talking about. That's great. You've done a good job of saying, here's how we're going to push this, right? We can push here. We can push here. I'm saying let's grow the pedestal at the same time. And suddenly we have a very, very stable organism that thrives until we decide to die.
1: That's awesome. I, I love that. And on that note, This is going to be one of the longer episodes ever because we talked about too much cool stuff. Kelly, I cannot wait to see you at the Bulletproof Conference, September 26th or 28th, bulletproofconference.com. You and about 36 other top-notch speakers, including like brain hackers. I mean, everything you can think of, like Daniel Amen, Jim Quick. It's going to be amazing. So you're going to be on stage with other people who are kicking ass as much as you are.
3: My hands are starting getting sweaty.
1: Sell uh, oh, yeah. people your URL, tell them where to buy your book so that, that people who've enjoyed this podcast as much as I have can get a chance to buy it.
3: Our home base is mobilitywod.com. And you've got we've got links to readyrunthebook.com. Everything's on there. You can find us. You know, don't be put out by the website. We've got about six hundred free videos. And then we have a pro-level user, which is like graduate school for some of this stuff. But the whole thing is searchable. You can search by a okay. body part or injury. We're trying to get it so that you can take a crack at fixing yourself. Start there first.
1: Okay. That is great advice. Mobilitywad.com.
3: Oh, and Taylor's uh, work is great. StandUpKids.org. It's coming. Uh, Take Thank you.
1: The standupkids.org and MobilityWOD will we'll have links in the show notes. And when we publicize this podcast, just come to BulletproofExact.com, and you'll be able to get all these links so you can just basically keep up to date with what Kelly's doing. If you care about how you move and really about how you're going to run in the whole system of the body, uh, I have come to respect Kelly's work greatly and it's worth your time. So Kelly, thanks again. If you haven't had a chance to learn about our new sleep induction mat, Check it out on the website at UpgradedSelf.com. It helps me get to sleep faster and very
3: specifically to get more deep sleep.
0: The Human Upgrade, formerly Bulletproof Radio, was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey.